we're not meant to have a long-term fight or flight response. So that adrenaline and that cortisol coursing through our body at all times has long-term effects with our heart, with our immune system, with our sort of cellular regeneration rate. And studies support that people who are long-term meditators, they have lower heart rate, lower respiratory rate, they sleep better, they have they slow the genetic effects of aging, which is the coolest thing that gets everyone's attention. It's so much cheaper than Botox. Do you want to wake up feeling like you're stepping into who you're meant to be? Into the best possible version of you? What if I told you that the key to your best life, health, and happiness are all around you? You just have to find what works for you. I'm Hope Pedraza, and I believe that there isn't just one way to live a healthy and meaningful life, and that all you need is a little inspiration to make changes that last from the inside out. Each week, I'll be sharing tangible tips and inspirational interviews to help you on your journey. These are the steps to take to improve your life and live with purpose. This is Hopeful and Wholesome. Hey, y'all, and welcome back to the show. Today, I have on Dr. Kathy Gruber. Now, Dr. Gruber is an award-winning author. She's a professional speaker. She's also a former actor, but she has her PhD in natural health, and she's studied mind-body medicine at the Benson Henry Institute for Mind-Body Medicine at Harvard. So she knows a lot about the mind and the body. We are talking today all about stress. She has so much experience in dealing with this. She's even created programs for the military on stress reduction. So she knows what she's talking about. We're talking all about stress, managing stress. She has a lot of good tactics and strategies for you to use and actually does some strategies on me during the show. So I think you're going to find this really fascinating and really informative. So y'all enjoy this episode. Let's go ahead and jump in. Okay, y'all, let's get going. I'm so excited to bring on Kathy Gruber today. She's an author, professional speaker, and she has over 30 years of experience in mind-body medicine and human behavior. And that's just what we're going to talk about today. We're talking all about stress and managing stress and just overall well-being. So thanks so much for joining me today, Kathy. I'm so happy to have you. Oh, thanks for having me. Hope I appreciate it. Yeah. So let's just kind of start with the basics here. Tell us what is stress? Yeah, we've all felt it, haven't we? Especially recently. So stress is this perception that demands are going to exceed our resources. So it's a threat, real or imagined. So you're walking down the street, somebody jumps out of an alley. Ah, this is a real threat. Or at least at that point, we think. We we actually don't know how that's going to turn (laughs) out. We hope it's not. But so much of our stress now is a perception. It's that either dragging things along from the past or worrying about those things in the future. It's those what ifs. What if my boss catches me stealing post-it notes? What if my mother-in-law moves in? What if the kid fails math? What if that, you know, there's all these what ifs. So it's this idea that, you know, we're not going to be able to handle that thing that's, that's being given to us. If we could handle it, it would just be that thing we do. It wouldn't be stress. Right. So it's really a perception. And what you perceive as stressful might be completely different than what I perceive as stressful. And I, I guarantee it is. So it's such an individual thing. But yeah, it's really, it's based on that perception. Right. So what are some indicators? What do we look for in terms of like when we know we're stressed? Oh, yeah, there's so many. So you have those physical signs like the racing heart, the nervousness, the not sleeping, the insomnia, the clenching of the jaw, the shoulders up around the ears. Then we have those behavioral things like maybe you start smoking again or maybe you're overeating or overindulging in alcohol or shopping, trying to do those, you know, those behavioral things. Maybe you're suddenly seeing yourself with a lot of road rage or you're not enjoying those things you used to. That's a huge indicator that there's some stress going on. You know, if I sit there kind of lethargic and I say, I don't want to go to dance class, you know something's going on because I will always go. I will not miss dance class. And then there's just, you know, bullying and this feeling of not taking joy in things we used to, loss of sense of humor, this feeling like we want to run away. 
headaches, jo- you know, there's so many things. But here's the thing about these. Every once in a while, sure, we feel like crying or every once in a while we have that day of, ugh, I don't want to do anything. If these go on for a while, they're a sign that something's happening. Mm -hmm. So if you see these signs in yourself or in other people, it's a sign that they're stressed. And our body is so good at homeostasis, it really tries to normalize these things. So we think, oh, of course, my shoulders are up around my ears. And of course, I haven't, you know, pooped in five days. And of course, I'm irritable with my boss. Those things actually aren't normal. (laughs) So if you see those in people, it's a sign something's happening. It's your body waving that red flag and saying, hey, help something's going on. So it's so important that we pay attention to those things. Right. And then I guess it leads me to my next question, because I mean, I know we've all experienced stress before, but I think the overlooked part of that is like the long-term effects of that, right? Because like you said, like our body's really good at homeostasis. So we just kind of get used to being in this stressful state. So what are kind of long-term effects of that? Like, what does it look like just staying in that state for a prolonged period of time? Yeah. Well, our fight or flight response was meant to be this short-lived dynamic stressor. You're walking down the street. You think someone's following you. Ah, you have that stress response. And then when you realize, oh, it's just a jogger, he's not there to hurt you, then that all those chemicals reverse and things go back to normal. The problem is that our stress now, because it's this perception and so much of it's happening in our mind, it's our thoughts. It's not the situation. It's our thoughts about the situation to sort of quote Eckhart Tolle. So we're not meant to have a long-term fight or flight response. So that adrenaline and that cortisol coursing through our body at all times has long-term effects with our heart, with our immune system, with our sort of cellular regeneration rate. And studies support that people who are long-term meditators, they have lower heart rate, lower respiratory rate, they sleep better, they have they slow the genetic effects of aging, which is the coolest thing that gets everyone's attention. It's so much, you know, so much cheaper than Botox. Uh, So, you know, long-term, it's just, it's, destroying every system in our body, which is why it's so important to nail it right when it starts to notice it, to pay attention to those signs and not let it get out of control. Right. And you say that stress isn't really the problem. Right. So what do you mean by that? Yeah. You know, we can't control the stress because if we could, then we would, and it would just be that other thing we do. So the fact that the stress is there and it's an uncontrollable thing, we have to control what we can, which is our response to that. And unfortunately, it tends to be a reaction rather than a response. Just like you and I talked about off the air, when my computer died the last time we were supposed to do this, I did not do well. I was in complete <laughs> reactivity. There might have been some profanity. I think there was. Uh, I think that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I think there was. So, yeah, because I teach not to do that, so I should know better, but that's okay. So, you know, it's that reaction to the stress, and that, that comes from our thoughts. That comes from how we're perceiving, it goes back to that perception, that perceiving of what's happening around us. If our boss on Friday says, I want to see you first thing Monday morning, does that just ruin your weekend? Do you spend the whole next two days worried about what is going to happen with your boss on Monday? I have a client who every Sunday she's miserable Mm -hmm. because she so dreads going to work on Monday. Yeah, a lot of people like that. (laughs) Yeah, that is no longer the boss. That is no longer the rude coworker. That is no longer the uncomfortable chair. That is your mind doing that to you. So you're losing an entire day off projecting into this unknown future. And, you know, we're losing that present moment. And in this present moment, there is no stress. The stress is someplace else. That's why presence is so important when dealing with stress. Yeah. Which is why you talk a lot about meditation and using that as a stress reduction tool, which you mentioned just a second ago. Yeah. So I don't know, my husband and I are big into meditation, but if you would have asked me like a couple years ago, I would have been like, no, I can't meditate. I can't sit Mm -hmm. still. Like there's no way. So I know there's a lot of people like that. Like they resist it because they're like, there's no way I can sit still. I can't turn off my mind. So 
what do you tell people like that? Like, how can one meditate even when they say or they think that they can't? Yeah. And I'm laughing because I'm like, I'm raising my hand and waving over her, even yeah. though we're on audio. I'm like, <laughs> terrible. I mean, people my entire life told me I should meditate. Right. I'm very type A. Yep. I'm very go, go, go. My yep. mind goes a mile a minute and I'm a dancer. So you tell me to sit down and not move. Oh yep. no, that Same. is Same. Right, that, that's living hell for me. Like, why are you torturing me? What did I do wrong? Can I get up please and go do something? So the times I'd try to meditate and I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't know which finger to touch and I didn't know where the tongue went. You're supposed to roll your eyes back in your head. Always gave me a headache. It was horribly uncomfortable. And then I would either end up launching in my to do into my to-do list. And I'd remember those things I had to do, which I thought was a great way to meditate. You know, if it reminded me to call that guy back, I thought that was awesome. Or the fantasies would start, right? The daydreams. I'd hear a car alarm and the next, you know, 10 minutes went by and I picture myself driving up the coast in my new Beamer. <laughs> so <laughs> when I went to Harvard and they said, now we're going to meditate, I thought, oh no, because I was terrible at it. Right. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to sit here for the next five days doing something I'm crappy at. My dad's motto was, if I can't win, I don't want to play. <laughs> totally. And I inherited that a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, but they taught us a way to meditate that so resonated with me. And it's called the mini. Can I walk you through it? Totally. Yes, please. Okay, do. cool. Yeah. So I know we're on audio, but there's going to be a little bit of quiet time. So we'll, like we'll just no, we'll let good. that go. Good. So go ahead and just close your eyes. Okay. And just take a few just breaths, just noticing the breath. We'll use that as one of our focal points. And you're not trying to slow it down or speed it up. Just noticing what the breath is doing. And on your next inhale, think, I am. And on all of your inhales, think, I am. And on your next exhale, think at peace. And on all of your exhales, think at peace. So it's inhale, I am. Exhale at peace. And when those other thoughts intrude, totally okay. Just dismiss them without judgment. Let them float away like clouds on a summer day. And just return to the breath. And I am at peace. And you can move your body. You can stretch. You can scratch. You can let your shoulders drop. You can let your belly relax because no one's looking. And go ahead and take one more inhale. I am. Exhale at peace and open your eyes. I love that. It's so simple. And I tend to do a lot of workshops with very stressed type A people, whether it's veterinarians or first responders or health and safety. I've done this with people in recovery. I've done this with teens. This seems to resonate with everybody. And what's so great about it is if you're thinking I am at peace, it's harder to think other things because we can't think two things at once. Right. And so as soon as we concentrate on our breathing, it tells our fight or flight response, hey, we're okay. Yeah. And with the mantra, first of all, it brings the affirmations in because the more you say, I am at peace, the more your brain goes, oh, okay, cool. I'm at peace. So it's that fake it till you make kind of the fake it till you make it sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. And no, it's, yeah, I, I it's so it's, simple. That's what I was going to say. I think just the simplicity of it is I think that's the problem is a lot of people try to make it complicated when it doesn't really have to be complicated. Yeah. 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 
Well, and it's also really hard to stop thinking things. And I think that's actually one of the big misconceptions about meditation. People are like, I can't stop thinking. I'm like, well, of course you can't. Because every three to five seconds, your brain wants to tell you something really important or it makes crap up, you know? (laughs) So of course you're fighting against that. And when I studied with Thich Nhat Hanh, who's probably the second most well-known monk next to the Dalai Lama, he said there were days he had trouble meditating because he couldn't stop thinking. And I'm like, you have one job. (laughs) What do you mean you can't stop thinking? So I figure that this is his life. If he has days where it's tough, I have to give myself a break. Right. And that's what I love about the mini is it's so simple. And, you know, when the thoughts intrude, just notice it. You know, I like to equate it to the luggage return at the airport. You don't grab every bag. (laughs) <laughs> You're very select, you know, you don't grab, t- I got to touch, I got to grab it. Right. You don't have to grab onto those thoughts. Right. That's you great. grab onto the one you want, which is yours, which is I am at peace. Yeah, that's great. No, that's awesome. So for your recommendations on meditation, like when you're, you know, like you were saying, you meet with all these type A high achievers, what is your recommendation as far as like when you should meditate, how long you should meditate? And how to kind of just implement it into your day. Yeah, I think that's got to be such an individual thing. Mm -hmm. And I've worked with so many different experts who say 10 minutes every morning. Right. Okay, well, maybe you don't have 10 minutes. Yeah. So maybe you only have seven that day. So what is our human brain app to do? Oh, well, I don't have 10. I can't do it. Yeah, exactly. So we end up watching cat videos for that seven minutes (laughs) rather than actually meditating for seven. So I think we have to be flexible with that. You know, getting that ritual in, if you can plop down for 10 minutes every morning at six and do your meditation, good for you. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Most people that I'm working with don't have the ability to do that. So the thing about the mini is you don't have to plop anywhere. You can do it in the shower. You can do it while you're brushing your teeth. You can do it while you're doing the dishes. You know, it's flexible enough that you could do it anywhere. I do it in the car. Don't close your eyes. Whole, yeah. n- whole nother set of problems. But you know, if you're sitting in traffic, you know, I lived in LA for years where you'd sit on the 405 for an hour. Yeah. Good Lord, how much mini could you get in then? Right. You know, it stops the fight or flight response. So the more you practice it, it's like any muscle. The more you practice it, the stronger it's going to get. So if you can do 10 minutes every morning on the pillow, great. Do what you can do. Maybe it's five minutes before you go to bed. Maybe it's every time you leave your office chair to go to the bathroom, you do a mini the whole way there. You know, it's so flexible. And I think that's, I think that's one of the problems is we've had it drilled into our head that there's this way to do it. Mm-hmm. I think there's as many ways to do it as there are people. Now, for the formal meditators who are listening, they're like, darn it, no, there's one way. Cool. That's awesome. You found a way that works for you. Yeah. I would rather have somebody do sporadic minis throughout the day than nothing. Right, 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 right. Well, because then you're using it. It's like a better coping mechanism than you might, you know, like if you're rather than resorting to, you know, like you were saying, like bad habits you pick up, grabbing a smoke or, you know, cursing your computer or whatever. (laughs) Hopefully that's not a habit. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, no, I think that's great. I think it's a good technique just to kind of get you like, like you were talking about earlier about being centered and being present. Yeah. Like, I think that's a good, I mean, that's a great way to do it. Yeah. Because from that centered place, you get to decide whether you're going to respond or whether you're going to react. Yeah. And our brain automatically, because it's looking for things in our environment that are scary, looking for things that are threats. That's just part of our brain's job. So as it's scanning the environment, you know, we, I think we've all had that happen where it's like, we're walking through the garden and we're like, oh, a snake. Oh, yeah. it's a hose or, <laughs> oh, it's a stick. I feel like an right. idiot. You know, right. that's what our brain's job is. Now, that reaction is about three seconds. If we're dwelling in that, so, you know, the guy cuts us off on the freeway, we do have that <gasps> because we have to make sure we don't hit him. Right. 
And then that fades away. That's like a three to five second reaction. The problem is, is when we keep dwelling on it, we keep, we're 15 exits down and we're still stupid. Then our brain goes, oh, shoot, the threat is still there and it'll start more chemicals. And then we get to our destination. Let me tell you about this jerk on the freeway. And we're the ones doing, he's right. forgotten about us. Right. <laughs> right. We're the one carrying that on. Mm-hmm. So it's important to let that stuff go. Yeah. So how does that kind of that mindfulness aspect and learning to be more centered and present, how does that help? Like for those who are listening, who are those type A high achievers like that you, that you speak to a lot and maybe they're in a leadership position or how does this help? How does the mindfulness yeah. and the centering, how does that help? That's a great question. So what, yeah, they're like, yeah, great. I can sit on a pillow for 10 minutes. Who right. cares? So <laughs> it's not about what happens. And I'm going to say on the pillow in quotes, it's when you're meditating or doing mindfulness. That, that's not the point of this. The point of this is what can you do with it off the pillow? If you can meditate for six hours a day and you're still a jerk to the guy at Starbucks, mm-hmm. I don't care. You mm-hmm. then you've, that's the fail right there. Yeah. So when we're stressed, our cognitive function decreases. So our rational thought, our logical thought, our ability to see other people's perspectives, our ability to take responsibility when we've done something wrong, our rational risk-taking, all of that stuff sort of goes to pot when we're in a stress state because that's not what we're meant to do. We're meant to run from the bear. So as soon as we can stop that fight or flight response, our brains are sharper. In that place of presence, we're better listeners, we're better communicators, we're better leaders. If we're already in a negative state in that stress place, everything we see is going to be colored through that lens of stress. Because, you know, the guy on the freeway who cuts us off is so much more of a jerk if we've already had a bad day. That just carries through. And it's so funny because I I was flipping through Netflix last night because, you know, I had nothing else to do. And I ended up landing on The Secret, which is the movie, I you know, 2006, I think it was. I haven't seen the movie probably since it came out. Mm-hmm. And I watched maybe a half hour of it. And it was talking about that you know, if your day starts out bad and you just get in this cycle of the, it just sort of snowballs yep. because then you're looking for bad stuff to happen. Exactly. You know, it goes from you stub your toe to the toothpaste on your shirt, to the coffee explodes, to the, you know, it just tends to perpetuate. If we can break that cycle, if we can do that pattern interrupt and shift our view, we're going to find other things. And so as soon as we can get out of that stressed, overly type A state, everything we touch is going to be a little bit different, a little bit better. Can I do a quick exercise with you? Yeah, do it. Okay. So look around your room and find everything you can see that's red. Memorize everything that's red. Focus on all the red. I'm mm-hmm. looking around my space. Cool. Okay. Now close your eyes mm-hmm. and recall everything you saw that was blue. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's drastically unfair. Okay. The blue, the, and now you're going to look around and go, oh, there's all this blue. Right. Uh, right. The blue stuff didn't disappear. It was there. Yes. You just weren't told to focus on it. So if all you're seeing is the negative stuff, you're going to miss all the positive stuff. And people who are self-reported as optimists tend to report higher life satisfaction, higher happiness, higher, you know, better relationships because they're looking constantly for that positive thing. And when I did my dissertation, what interestingly, it wasn't so much that you had to be an optimist it was important that you weren't a pessimist, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So you didn't have to be yay, 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 but you couldn't be a pessimist. That was the interesting thing in the studies that I found. So, you know, when we're scanning the environment, finding the positive, we're going to be more positive, which flows to the people that we're communicating with. Mm -hmm. Right, right. No, that makes sense. That makes total sense. And it's, yeah, I like that. How you said, it's just that pattern interrupt. It's just, that's important. So you, and you talk, you mentioned this a second ago, but you also 
talk about affirmations and visualization. So do you teach that as well? Like, is that part of your kind of mindfulness practice as well? Yeah, absolutely. So when I do my stress talks or when I'm working with clients as a coach with stress, and I, of course, if I'm working one-on-one, I customize to what is going to work best for them in their situation. Maybe it's all about shifting perspective. Maybe it's all about ego states, which is something I do a lot of speaking of, which is kind of bringing your best aspect of you forward. But when I do my workshops, it's five keys. So there's breath work, there's mindfulness, meditation, affirmations, and visualization. And you know our language is so powerful and our thoughts are so powerful and we forget that. So, so often we get stuck in that negative, crazy train of thoughts, again, of the one negative thought leading to another one, which is sort of how our brain's wired. It's looking for danger around us. The problem with that is our brain goes to what's familiar for us. So just like the red and the blue thing I just had you do, if all we're focused on is a negative, that's all we're going to see. Yep. We're going to find more and more of it. So if we can shift our thoughts and the easiest way I've found to do that's affirmations. We can try to stop thinking things. That's really hard to do. <laughs> you know, 60,000 thoughts a day. Right. Uh, changing, you know, stopping them is hard. Changing them is easier. So figure out that place where you tend towards that negativity. Maybe it's finances, maybe it's your weight, maybe it's your body, maybe it's relationships and shift the thinking on that. Dream about what you want. You know, do affirmations of what you want, not what you don't want. It's so easy. I don't want this. I don't want that. This is negative, blah, blah, blah. Shift that to what you do want. And that's what you're going to find. And that's where the power of affirmations is. And they've done so many studies with everything from Olympic athletes to college athletes to, you know, I'm a huge NFL fan. Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, certain football teams that have positivity and mindfulness experts on the staff. Mm -hmm. So they're not only working their physical bodies, they're working their mental, emotional, spiritual bodies, and they achieve more, they accomplish more, they're more successful. Yeah. I mean, that's completely fascinating. And I don't know why more attention isn't put on that piece. Like it's, you know, they have designated people just for that part of, you know, that's crazy. Yeah. It's incredible. And it's so funny because every once in a while, not as much anymore, but when I first started talking about this, every once in a while, I'd get the guy in the talk who's like, this is woo woo, hug it out, hippie, bolt, and it's like, this is going to make me soft. No, no, this is so going to up your game. And you know, when there's three seconds left on the clock and that field goal kicker, you know, they're down by two and that field goal, he's thinking positive. He's visualizing that ball going through the uprights. If he's thinking, I can't do this, I suck. Oh, well, yep. Yeah. then you're going to be in big trouble. So right. it's about upping your game. And that presence helps every aspect, physically, mentally, emotionally, communication-wise. It's just the key to everything. Oh, and just to, to backtrack a second, because I didn't, you asked about affirmations. Mm-hmm. The key to them is to make them short, positive, and in the present moment. So rather than saying something like, someday I'll be rich, that's, you know, someday I'll not be broke, which is what a client of mine had written one day. I am prosperous and abundant. Mm. Money flows easily to me. I am surrounded by loving and supportive friends. I find that you know, I have the perfect partner for me. I have plenty of time. I sleep deeply and soundly. You know, Figure out where you tend towards the negativity and then craft an affirmation around that and just repeat it. Put it up on your dashboard. The, that last half hour before we go to sleep is the prime time to do affirmations because it goes directly into your subconscious. Mm. Write it out in longhand, cursive, the stuff they don't teach us anymore with the loops. There's a connection between our brain and our hand and our subconscious. And when you write stuff out in cursive, it goes directly to our subconscious. Mm, Makes sense that journaling, that'll do Mm. it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how did you, where did your, I guess your fascination and your interest in all of this, how did, how did that begin? 
That's a great question. I still don't know. <laughs> uh, it was, it's, a, it's a, just like every, anybody's journey. It's long and complicated. Right. I actually started out as an actor, which had nothing to do with any of this. Yeah. And when I was a theater major in college, a woman showed up at our school to massage all the students. And she would show up during our summer theater productions. We had this award-winning children's theater. She would show up and just massage us for free, oh, wow. which I thought was fascinating. Like, yeah. Why would someone do that? And I ended up very accidentally apprenticing with her for three summers in massage. And so when I left Pittsburgh and moved to California to pursue the acting career, I thought, oh, what a perfect sideline. Yeah, I could do massage in between mm -hmm. film roles. Yeah. And those never came, but the massage stuck. And so when I moved to Santa Barbara, I started my own practice and my clients expected a healthcare provider, not just a massage therapist. Mm. And I'm obsessed with learning. I read medical books for fun. If there's a medical show on, I want to see it. And so I started studying more and more and I realized that I just wanted to keep going. So when I was getting my master's and PhD, a lot of what we were studying was mind-body medicine. And I remember having Louise Hay's little blue book of like physical ailments and what that corresponded to like emotionally, spiritually. I was mm -hmm. obsessed with that book. Yeah. And that sort of kicked me off into the whole mind-body thing. And when my advisor for my PhD said, what do you want to write your dissertation on? I said, I don't know, maybe Reiki or something I already know. And she goes, no, you already know that. The point of the dissertation is stretch yourself. Right. She said, what were your, some of your favorite classes? And I realized it really was about the stress and the mind-body. So I wrote my dissertation on that, which led me to doing some studying at Harvard. I think I've been there five times now doing some of their certificate programs. And they, I turned those into some books. And then I started speaking again, which looped directly back to the acting. So it's been this weird circular spiral thing. And it's unfolded so naturally in front of me. So I've just said, yes, I've followed the breadcrumbs. Yeah. And here I am. And I don't know quite, I don't know what's next. <laughs> yeah. That's the exciting part though, right? You just go yeah. where it takes you. I love that. That's awesome. So I like to give some, you know, tangible things to take away. Not that you haven't already given a lot of tangible things, <laughs> but are there any, you know, few either tactics or strategies that you can leave people with of to kind of help with what we've been talking about with stress and managing stress, things that they can like start implementing right now? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I can't stress enough, you know, pun intended, how, I mean, how important that mini is. If you can do that a little bit a day, that's going to start to shift everything. And one of the most important things is you've got to know yourself because if you don't know what you look like not stressed, you're not going to recognize those signs when you are stressed. And I can't tell you how many people come into my office and I say, how are you? And they go, huh? Well, I can't help you if you don't know how you are. Right. So stop for a second, even if it's a minute a day. Maybe it's in the shower and just do that in inventory of how am I feeling? How's my body feeling? Oh, my shoulder hurts. I wonder when that started. You know, we spend so much time walking around the rental car because we're not going to get charged for that ding when we return it. <laughs> and, you know, we don't look at ourselves that same way. That's at least respect yourself as much as you do the rental car. We can get another rental car. We can't get another body. We don't, right. don't have those on Amazon yet. So, right. you know, know yourself, figure out what stress reduction looks like for you. Maybe it's not meditation. Maybe it's not affirmations. Maybe you go for a run. Maybe you volunteer at a cat shelter where you pet them all day. You know, whatever it is, it's, it's all so customizable. There's no one thing to fit for anybody. And then figure out what jazzes you and just go for it. You know, the more we stretch ourselves and push ourselves out of our limits, the happier we are mm -hmm. and the more positive we can be. So yeah, just those couple things. Just know yourself, go for it you know, stay present as much as you can and, and find what tool works for you. Those are great. Those are perfect. So I have one last question for you, but I want to first let everyone know where they can find you online on social media or whatever. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I'm all over social media. Typically, it's Dr. Kathy Groover, Kathy with a K, Groover, G-R-U-V as in Victor, E-R. And it's kathygroover.com. You can find out about my speaking and all my books are there. I also have a massage DVD. And there's kathygroover.coach if you want to work with me one-on-one or in couples. I do a lot of work with stress reduction, communication, public speaking. And then, like I said before, ego states, which is bringing that best part of you forward to accomplish things. Perfect. And I'll put links to all those in the show notes. And I I like to end with the same question for everyone. So what is the most important thing people can do to live with purpose? You know what? I actually think it comes down to being present because we create from the present. Mm -hmm. It's a conglomeration of those things that came before. So that helps influence us now. But unless we're right in this moment, we can't create an amazing future. So know what you want and be present with it. I love it. It's perfect. Perfect way to end. Thank you so much for all of this is great. This is like so much tactical and like, this is, this is great. Thank you so much for all this, helping all of us learn how to manage our stress a little better. So thanks so much for sharing all of your, your great strategies today. Oh, you're welcome. Hope I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Hopeful and Wholesome, y'all. If you found value in this week's episode, please subscribe on iTunes wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review to let me know what you thought. I love to know what you find useful in these episodes so I know how I can provide the most value I can to my listeners. And if you have topics that you want to know more about, I'd love to hear those as well. So shoot me a message on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. It's at the Hope Pedraza or visit my website, hopefulandwholesome.com. Thanks, y'all.